going to have to do it. All right, it's a sports show, John. Focus. Let's start with the English Premiership today. There's a match on the go. Southampton won Manchester City nil. That's right. I had to double-check it just to be sure. 36 minutes in, Southampton won Manchester City nil. Yeah, that's the way it is. Uh, let's see, Walker Peters scoring in the seventh minute. Can they hold on for 83 minutes against the champions in waiting? I guess we can call them. We can't call them the champions yet, can we? Manchester City will be on 56 points as it stands. Liverpool will be uh, 11 points back but have two games in hand. Uh, that's after Liverpool beat Brentford 3-0 on the 16th. In other results today, Aston Villa beat Everton. Wolves beat Brentford 2-1. Newcastle beat Leeds 1-0. And Manchester United beat West Ham by a goal to nil. United are now in fourth place, one point ahead of West Ham and have a game in hand. Chelsea third, Liverpool second. West Ham down in fifth. Spurs sixth, Arsenal seventh. Wolves in eighth. In Germany, one game on the go. I see Köln have just scored against Bochum. So Bochum won, Köln won. 37 minutes in there. In Italy, halftime, Inter and Venezia are now playing to a one-all draw. In Spain, 36 minutes, Sevilla and Celta Vigo are goalless. Uh, rugby earlier on today, in case you... Oh, sorry, the Springbok Sevens are just about to kick off against Canada in the quarterfinals of the IRB Sevens being played in Spain. So South Africa against Canada, kicking off in a second or two from now. I'll bring you a score later on in the show. Uh, cricket on the go, it's the Under-19 Cricket World Cup. India against Uganda. India scoring 405 for five, cementing their position at the top of the table, which includes South Africa. South Africa will be second there. Uganda in reply, 41 for three in the ninth over. Doubt they'll reach that target. Uh, Pakistan have beaten uh, Papua New Guinea by nine wickets. Afghanistan are playing Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe are 55 for three, chasing 262. That's in the 12th over. They need 207 runs off 38 overs. And the UAE are playing Bangladesh. UAE scoring 148. In reply, Bangladesh 78 without loss in the 20th over, needing just 71 runs of 31 overs. Uh, as I said, rugby, South Africa against Canada kicking off in a moment. You with SAFM? Uh, we will, uh, yeah, we're going to talk motor racing right now, actually, because we can. Uh, and why not? Let's talk to, uh, I guess, anybody that finishes the Dakar is a legend. Uh, athletes, it says here, professional off-road rider for KTM South Africa, nine-time South African champion. His name is Brad Cox. Brad, how's it going? We got Brad? Oh, we're going to yeah, take Brad in a second. Uh, all right, we're going we're gonna to take a quick sting and then we'll talk to you, Brad. Don't go away. Tweet at SFM Radio and at John Herica. All right, now we're talking to Brad Cox. How's it going, Brad? Yeah, all good, man. And you? Look at man, where where in the world are you today? Today I'm in uh, I'm in Belita, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, just catching up and doing some well well needed rest after Dakar. I, I can imagine. What what's the temperature like in Belita? Because everybody's saying it's quite warm, but I guess yeah, nothing compares to the hot. Saudi desert. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Well, I mean, it was winter there, so we had some cold days. But yeah, today was a nice thirty degrees on the beach all day. It looked, <laughs> looked, looked like a tomato. So. <laughs> well, congratulations on your Dakar. Uh, uh, I said at the beginning, and we, we did an interview with somebody who, who raced in the cars last week, and I asked him what it was like you know, while he's racing in the car, he's got the helmets and the seats, and he can sit down and do all his work. I said, what's it like when, when you see the guys in the motorbikes? And he used the words humorously, but he says, you guys are insane. Would you agree? <laughs> 
I mean, I guess you could say so. I mean, it's, you know, we, we obviously get up, uh, we're the first to leave, so we get up at crazy times in the morning. And, you know, when it's, it was in the beginning in the north of Saudi Arabia, it's pretty cold. So, I mean, we're riding in the, the, the freezing temperatures. You know, we don't have a windscreen to block all the, the, the cold and that. So, like, some mornings were one degrees, minus one. And, I mean, that's sure. just, we haven't even started racing yet. We're just trying to get to the start of the racing stage. So, yeah, I guess you could say we're a little bit uh, crazy. I mean, on the route, yeah, we also, I mean, we don't have a roll cage in that, so if, if things go wrong, it's not too great. But, I mean, uh, the car guys are also just as crazy we say, so I think it's like a vast <laughs> type of thing. When those cars catch up to you, it it, it, it gets quite treacherous. We saw, we heard that terrible story uh, about Chanel de Villiers nearly riding over a, a motorcyclist. What's it like when those cars come past you? No, look, I was lucky. I never had that. Um, I was in, you know, I was, I was, yeah, they, they never got to sort of where I was in the field. But, uh, no, from just what guys say, it's pretty crazy. I mean, you know, they, you know, those guys that they're passing, they, they're there to finish the race. So they're not going crazy speeds or, or risking their life type thing. And these guys are going 170, 160 k's an hour. So when they come past the, 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 the back, you know, bike riders, they're in a hurry. So, it's uh, get out the way pretty fast for them from, from what I know. And then obviously it's just like instant dust machine for 30 seconds, the guy's <laughs> sake. So, yeah. Let's talk about what you ride. Talk, talk about the bike, what kind of speeds you get, and, and how you race the Dakar. Yeah, so, I mean, we're, we're all um, restricted to 450cc bikes. So we ride these rally bikes. Um, I ride a KTM. Um, and then, yeah, top speeds we can do. I mean, I, I think my top speed was 173. Um, and that's just, I mean, I'm on a, I'm always on a standard bike, you know, the factory bikes obviously can push out a bit more power. They can do about 180. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it's it being my first Dakar, it was just all about learning and, you know, trying to get the finishes, uh, medal and for me to, to be running, you know, up front and, and with all the factory guys was just an added bonus and, uh, yeah, mm. hopefully it opens doors for me. Let's talk about that. Were you surprised? Twenty fifth overall, second in your in in your category. I mean, obviously, we you know I, I did rally do Morocco oh, in October. In yeah, I did rally do Morocco in October, and uh, that kind of gives you an idea. But no, I, I it definitely did surprise me. Unfortunately, I was about sixteen, seventeen overall, and then on stage nine, I had a little mechanical issue that lost me quite a bit of time. But uh, that's rally racing, and I just had to figure out how to come back from that. And, uh, yeah, every day just crawled back the time I lost. And, uh, yeah, to still end up 25th is, is a real bonus, especially with the, the mechanical issue I had. And, I um, mean, my race could have been over if it uh, was any worse. So, no, I, like I said, for me, just to be up with the factory guys and, and running up front uh, was, was just, yeah, a cherry on the top. And, um, you know, just uh, hopefully can be like that now the rest of my career. You talk about the mechanical. Is that the rock hitting your fuel tank? Yes, yeah. Okay, so when you say a little mechanical, you had a rock hit your fuel tank, the fuel was leaking out, but you fixed it. No, so um, we, have, we have three fuel tanks, two on the front and, uh, that are connected and, and one in the rear. Uh, the rear holds four liters and each side on the front holds seven. And yeah, I just was in a canyon and I clipped a, a rock uh, on the side of the canyon and yeah, put a hole. And obviously the fuel was rushing out. So quick thinking, take both tanks off the front and drain everything into the rear. Managed to get to the refuel and then filled up just the rear tank and had to just, you know, think about, you know, okay, how fast do I need to go? Because we generally do 10 liters, uh, 
yeah, 10Ks to a litre, and we were a little bit in stand, so I knew it'll be about 7.5Ks a litre, and we had to do 135 kilometres. So I knew <laughs> if I go wide open, I'm definitely not going to make it. And, uh, yeah, so just, you know, figuring out what your average speed needs to be, you know, you know, just obviously backing off because I just needed to get over the finish, and then when you're on the liaison, you can be towed or whatever. If you're out of fuel, that's no problem. But, uh, yeah, just not losing too much time is the, the main thing of that day. That was the goal, so... What are you given when you start start the day? Before, not not the racing stage. So there's the liaison, and then you do the race. Are you given a GPS that you follow? So it's a road book. Um, it's basically it's, it's a scroll on our box. So we 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 operated with our thumb, and uh, it's a piece of paper. Well, it's a piece of paper. It's about a little bit smaller than A5. And it's right. a continuous roll. So that's got your directions. It's got your cap heading. It's got your kilometers. And then so that needs to all be in sync, your, your compass bearing, which is your cap heading, and your kilometers. And then obviously the, the direction arrow uh, is a picture. And then on your handlebar, you have a, a system called the ERTS. And that's how you know if you get the waypoint. So, um, yeah, that, that's the only thing that has an arrow. And it only opens when you're within a kilometer of each waypoint. And the waypoints can vary. You can have 60 waypoints in a day. You can have 80 waypoints in a day. So that just makes sure you're on the right track. But you know, it's quite, it's quite an involved, uh, involved system. It's not just about who can ride the bike the fastest. It's who can navigate the best, who can ride the bike you know, at a very decent speed. Sure. And uh, yeah, it's like a complete package rally racing. You are 23 years old, but you've got Alfie Cox behind you and supporting you. <laughs> Were you always on a bike? Did you just grow up in uh, absorbing motorbike fumes? Yeah, uh, for sure. You know, having having Alfie as my dad, of course, is the you know you kind of put on a bike as a kid, and uh, yeah, I raced motocross uh, for a long time in my career, and about four or five years ago, I made the switch to enduro and, and uh, off-road type racing. And yeah, took really well to it. And then um, obviously seeing the, you know, the success my dad had in Dakar, and and then in the success that Ross Branch, who's from Botswana, he had. And I was racing Ross at the time, a lot younger, but you know, learning the ropes from him. And then um, yeah, the opportunity came about to to do Dakar, and I grabbed it with both hands, and and here we are now. And I think the 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 big thing is I've got such a, a long career in, in rally racing because it's generally for an older generation, but that's mm. all changing now. So, you know, I've got 15 to, you know, 17 years of doing this, whereas other racing career, my career could be over by 30, 35. So, and, you know, it's also, yeah, they, they're looking for younger people, the, the factory team. You mentioned earlier about the doors being open now. Obviously, you'll want to. It, is Dakar the pinnacle? It's, it's the thing that we see. But you guys are busy all the time. Yeah. So there's a there's a world championship, um, a rally world championship. It's got four rounds, um, and but those are basically just uh, you know that uh, Dakar is the pinnacle. But the world championship rounds are like uh, you know, so the guys don't do nothing the whole year. They got something else to race. <laughs> Um, it's getting bigger and bigger. All the factory teams are going to it now. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's quite a, a prestigious thing to win. But, yeah, definitely Dakar is the pinnacle, and it's the one we all work so hard for, uh, you know, us that are involved in rally racing. And, uh, yeah, it's the, by far the biggest one. Okay, so you've got doors open now. Does that mean you move up out of the GP2 category to the next category? Yeah, so that's the plan, to, to be able to go into the elite category. And, uh, and then, yeah, hopefully be on a factory bike i mean um 
you know, yeah, we'll wait and see what, what happens uh, for the rest of the year. We only, the next World Championship round will be in March. So I'm sure in the next few weeks, hopefully I'll, I'll know something. But uh, yeah, that's the plan to go into the elite category. And all it really means in the elite category is you, you have a couple benefits. Um, if you have a bad day, you get a, you know, instead of coming from in 70th or 60th, uh, you get to start in the top 30 and uh, okay. a couple other little things. But then there's also... Uh, other things that aren't so good, like you only allowed 11 tires for the 12 days. So one, so for two days you have to run the same tire. Whereas in GP2 you don't have to. And but yeah, that's the goal of everyone to be in an elite category. And uh, yeah, I'm sure I will. Well, yeah, I will for sure be in in the elite category next year. Now you have to be in like the top 10% or 20% of of the first rider. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the plan. And you're going to stay on motorbikes for your career? Or do you see sitting down in a car with a helmet on being much safer? I think as I get older, I think it'll, it'll, <laughs> it'll want to, to switch to four wheels. But uh, yeah, for now, it's, it's bikes only. And if that opportunity comes one day down the line, that'll be awesome. Um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not against it. I, I like cars a lot. And I think when you have the experience on a bike, when you get into cars, mm. it's definitely a lot easier. But uh, yeah, I mean... I would like to do Dakar in the car because it would just maybe be a bit warmer on the liaisons. I'd like to experience that. <laughs> I was just thinking now, Brad, uh, Brad Cox, uh, if you were to race Brad Binder uh, off-road and on-road, you, know, you have a little competition. You go, all right, you do, you do 10 laps of Silverstone and then you do an off-road race. Where you would compete and how you would do against each other? I think, I think we would both be better in our own categories against each right. other. But, uh, no, it's cool. Actually, um, we have something like this planned up with uh, a magazine called Moto Rider World. I think it'll be uh-huh. this year. And, uh, yeah, I'm lucky that I can call Brad a, a pretty good friend. And uh, I think it would make a, a good article to, to see the switch. I definitely think he would be closer to me on an off-road bike than me on a, a super bike because, uh, right. yeah, my experience is not too good on that. But uh, I'd love to give it a go for sure. And it takes bravery for you guys to do the rocks and the dunes and fly over the top of those dunes. But just watching those guys go around corners, it, it, it's insane. Yeah, I know. That's, that's 100% for sure. Okay, so next Dakar, you, you, you got that planned. I know you guys need to look ahead. Um, do you, when do you start planning for Dakar 2023? Sure. I think once, once I know um, if I'm going to be in a factory team or if I'm going to have factory team support or, you know, if I'm going to be going privateer one more year, mm. then once I know that, uh, then I'll be able to, okay, do we need to start fundraising again? Because um, obviously it's a huge financial task to get to Dakar. Um, you know, I was lucky where I got given a lot of resources, you know, with, with being a KTM rider. But I still had to pay a lot. And, uh, yeah, obviously the Rand Euros is not the best mm. at the moment. So, um, yeah, once I know what type of financial backing I'll have or, or if I'll, yeah, like I say, be in a factory team or not, then you can sort of, okay, cool, we, you know, everything's covered and, and we just have to prepare the body and, and the mind because it's, it's a big mental race. Um, but if it's, you know, looking for sponsors and that to go again, then obviously that's, that's a lot more hard work, but uh, yeah, it's it's rewarding. And this year, I was so lucky with the, you know, just South Africa people and and the companies in South Africa. They really just got behind me and and really believed in the dream that that I had. And to see it pay off was was really cool. Uh, you mentioned the brain. Sorry, I was supposed to ask you about that earlier, and I forgot. Um, <laughs> you mentioned that you're obviously working out distances and directions all the time, and uh, I kind of just assumed that's what you do all the time. But 
is is that what you're doing on the bike for six hours? You know, it's like uh, to say to people, imagine getting up for 12 days in a row. Okay, we've got a rest day after day six, but mm-hmm. basically 12 days in a row, you've got to get up at three, four o'clock in the morning. You've got to ride from KZN to Escort, Ladysmith area. Then you only start your race and you race from there to Joburg, Pretoria. And then after your race, you jump, you jump back and you ride back to Harry Smith. That's a day. You know, there was no day under 800 or under 600 K. So uh-huh. every day doing that, it, it's taxing on the mind. You know, it's a lot of thinking. Um, but rally is, yeah, it's, while you're racing the stage, you're obviously trying to be as focused as you can on the navigation. And, you know, then, you know, that's sort of what your main focus is. But then you, you obviously get the, you know, lethargic stuff in your brain and, that's that's you know mentally you get drained pretty much throughout the days but you know and then if you have a bad day it's now you've got to ride 100 160 100k back to just to the the bivouac just to debrief your day and now you've got to think oh what an idiot you were of the day so (laughs) that's like the the hardest part but you know rally is all about if you have a bad day how you can come back from it and i think if you can you know master that or 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 have a strong mind in that then then you'll be pretty all right Brad, great chatting to you. Congratulations, and hopefully we'll see your name up in lights again. Thank you very much. Brad Cox, professional off-road rider for KTM South Africa, nine-time South African champion. He came 25th in the Dakar Rally, 5th in his GP2 category.